This is a Tech Briefs Media Group podcast. Welcome to another Who's Who at NASA podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Carolyn Parchetta, postdoctoral fellow based at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California. To start, uh, why are robots a valuable way to explore volcanoes? Um, yeah, they can help us, get us being scientists and people, um, to get into places that are too dangerous to otherwise take data. So, Or in this particular case, it's not only dangerous, but it's just too small. Uh, a lot of these fissures that we're looking at are, you know, they're, they're too skinny for a human to fit into. They're, they're plenty long and deep, but they're just too thin at that you know, it would be really difficult to squeeze into one of these and stay in that squeeze position for many meters into the ground. So what does this robot, this newest uh, version of the robot, look like? Uh, Volcanobot 2 is a little smaller than Volcanobot 1, um, and it also has a tapered tail, uh, which we're hoping will help it um, not bounce around as much as just the cylindrical body of Volcanobot 1. Um so, but otherwise, it's the exact same platform. We just made it more compact and more efficient. What was your specific work in the development of the robot? Uh, well, it was actually uh, my idea. So I, I talked to the engineers here at JPL, and they said, you know, design it however you want, and, and we'll help you, you know, connect the dots and put pieces together. But it, it was my concept and design initially, um, and, and we just kind of used spare parts around the lab to get it done. Uh, and then the, the second robot, we had an undergraduate intern over the summer from Caltech who helped uh, design the second one. And so I, I kind of guided her and said we, we'd ideally like to make the shell more fitted to the body, uh, reduce the amount of cords inside the body. And, and then she kind of ran with that and, and created the tapered tail. Um, so I, I was, if not designing it myself, definitely guiding the design the whole way. Um, but we did have an undergraduate intern helping us with that, too. And when you say spare parts, uh, what do you mean by that? Um, like extra motors that are in the lab, um, or or we three D printed the parts. Um, there wasn't too much that we had to actually buy, except for a Raspberry Pi circuit board for the the volcano bot. Um, and and we had to purchase another little circuit board that was that we designed to carry the sensors on the on volcano bot. But everything else is you know custom done at JPL or was just you know motors in a drawer that nobody was using. So. Mm-hmm. What would you say were your biggest uh, technical challenges when you were creating uh, this robot? On some level, I didn't feel like there was many challenges at all because, you know, the, the guys here know what they're doing with robotics. And I said, you know, here's the science goal and here's what I kind of want it to do. And this is my idea of how it works. And, and they would say, well, you know, this robot that we tried that on didn't work for these reasons or, or yeah, that sounds great. Um, so I guess, Initially, the hardest part was just me learning the engineering because <laughs> I'm a scientist. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have the background that they did. Right. That's actually another question I wanted to ask is uh, yeah. what the, how the team, what the team is in, and what kinds of different backgrounds do you all bring to this project? Yeah. So the team is, is about five or six people. Um, I am a geologist by training, and I specialize in volcanic eruptions. Um, and then my advisor, Carl Mitchell, is also a scientist by training. Um, and he also does volcanic eruptions, but more uh, on the outer solar system, uh, and, and he does some cave stuff uh, mm-hmm. as well. Um, Aaron Parnes is our lead robotics expert, and he has worked on, on microspine wall-climbing robots. Uh, he's here at JPL as well. 
And then people in his group that have helped on VolcanoBot uh, are two other engineers, Nick Wiltsey. Uh, he's a kind of an electrical engineer guy. He's helped us with the programming and getting the sensors to talk to each other. And then Kaylin Carpenter is a wheels expert, and so he, he works with Aaron in Aaron's group as well uh, and helped us design the wheels and how to mill out the mold and cast it with a polymer and, and create the microspine wheels. So that's kind of the core group. Um, and then we added in over the summer the, the undergraduate intern, Catherine, from Caltech. Uh, and so she kind of learned, as much as I did, a little bit of everything from everybody else. Right. And so with you having a geology background, uh, is it – when you come up, when you develop this idea, um, was that was that difficult to to figure out the robotics and the the way to build uh, the robot? Um, or did you have that background as well to kind of know what you needed the technology to accomplish? I, I did not. I had a, a vision in my head of what I wanted to do, and no, I did not know how to get from point A to point B until I met Aaron and his group and and Carl. Um, and I, I should also actually say that we have one other team member, uh, Jeremy Nash, who helps us post-process the data once we're back. Mm-hmm. Didn't help with the initial robot design, but he's signed on since then to help us process the data. Um, but yeah, I, I had no idea about the engineering, and I, I thought it would be difficult to learn on the fly, but the, the JPL guys are, are really good teachers. Uh, so it was easy to learn and fun to learn the engineering side of it. And, and kind of make this idea that I had in my head of I, I need a robot approximately this size that can do these three or four things um, and turn that into reality in three months. Uh, we, we went from zero engineering, and Erin kind of introduced me to the lab as this is Carolyn, she's a scientist, help her, uh-huh. <laughs> to three months later I had designed and with their help built uh, this robot, and it worked, and we took it to Hawaii for its first test. So can you give me a, uh, a quick rundown of the, the timeline? So when the from idea to to where we're at now? Yeah, yeah. I, I proposed the idea to the NASA Postdoctoral Fellowship Program um, in, when was that, July 1st, I think, of 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found out that we got funded in September of 2013, and then I started here at JPL February of 2014. And uh, in the proposed timeline, we said early May was when we were going to do our first field test. Uh, so we basically had three months to go from funded idea to, uh, you know, field test. <laughs> uh-huh. and, and so that was an intense uh, but really wonderful three months uh, where I just learned a lot and grew a lot from working with the, the JPL guys. And, uh, and so three of us, Carl, Aaron, and myself, went out to Hawaii together in May, and we tested the robot. Uh, we found a few kinks. We broke a few things. But overall, we got the data, and, and we got it to work at a very basic level. Um, and then we came back and we had the intern, the summer undergraduate intern sign on. He was here from June until uh, mid-September, I believe. And so she kind of redid the robot and improved it and made it smaller and more compact. Um, and we fixed some of the electrical issues that we had had in the field in Hawaii in May. Um, and then October, November, December has kind of been a post-processing time uh, with Jeremy and, and trying to get the data from May to actually be um, finalized and processed so we can measure the shape of this crack that we were in with VolcanoBot. Uh, and that brings us to about now. So. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and so what are we learning with uh, this data? Yeah, uh, so we are, for the first time ever, documenting uh, essentially the conduit of a volcano um, or a volcanic eruption. 
And so this conduit, you know, we as scientists, we assume what it is. We assume it's either a circular pipe or this really uh, long, thin blade that has parallel walls and it's vertical or close to it. And, and that works on a first order, but through my PhD, I realized that if we want to actually have models that are accurate and, and represent volcanic processes properly, we need to do better than that. And so this robot, um, where we found one area on Kilauea Volcano where this type of pathway that the magma comes up to the surface in is exposed. And this robot is designed to go in there and document it. Um, it's never been done before because there's not that many places where you can do this. It's really rare to, to get that kind of an exposure. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> usually that, that kind of stuff is buried or destroyed during an eruption. So knowing that geometry and the shape of the pathway allows us to, to understand the fluid dynamics of the eruption better. Uh, and then once we understand that, we can understand the hazards on the surface and, and what's causing those hazards in a more accurate way. And how does the technology, um, how is that possible to, to do this documentation? Uh, so we're, we're basically just using a near-infrared uh, device. It's very similar to an Xbox Connect sensor for video games. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called the Prime Sense, and they, they actually just went out of business this year, so we might need to find a new sensor. Uh -huh. But we're, we're using the Prime Sense to just see um, see the walls. They're, <clears throat> they're pretty narrow, so they're maybe about a foot across um, from one wall to the other, but then they just extend lengthwise and down as far as you can see. And so we just image... Uh, the, the foot or so on each side of the wall um, for about 12 feet, 12 to 15 feet in front of us. And as the robot moves, we see more and more of what these two walls look like. And so does this robot this create a, a 3D map of the fissure? Yeah, that, that's where Jeremy comes in. He's helping us make the 3D part of the map. Um, but yeah, we, we basically turn that video feed that we record, um, which has the infrared video feed has the data in it. Uh, we have to convert that into a depth value and then uh, merge all the frames together to make a 3D point cloud. Uh -huh. And so what is uh, on the agenda now? What's next for uh, this robot, robot, the second version of this robot? Yeah, so we kind of have parallel tracks going on now. Um, I'm starting the fluid dynamic analysis with my advisor, Carl. Uh, but then Aaron and I are gearing up to go back to Hawaii early March. Um, and, and test Volcano Bot 2, and we're, we're going to try to get Catherine out there as well, uh, but we got to figure out how to fund her to be out there. Um, so once, once we test Volcano Bot 2 and, and take it to a few new places as well as, as finish off documenting old places that we went to in May, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a much more complete data set of what these geometries look like and compare them to similar geometries of like earthquake faults and see if there's any correlation between the two geometries or if they're completely different. Um, so that will be early March, and then we've already discussed changes to make VolcanoBot 3 uh, even more robust and, and have more mobility inside this tiny crack. So we're hoping to, um, to do that over the next six months after the field test, and then go back in October and test it again with the updated version. Yeah, interesting. Is there, is there something that you're going to be watching for specifically in March when the robot does its uh, explorations, and, and will those factor into... The third version, I'm just curious if you're watching for something specific. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're watching for the shape. And, and some of these shapes, um, the, there's like these protrusions on the wall that are about three feet by maybe a foot and a half and two feet. Uh, and so we're, we want to document as many of those as we can. Uh, and, and typically one or two of those will fit in the video frame of our sensor. So 
if we can go back and document more, then we can see how they change and what their variability is and what their, their average shape is, you know, altogether, and how that would affect magma coming out of the ground. And to sort of uh, wrap this conversation up, why do you, why do you think this work uh, is so valuable and important? Uh, yeah, it's valuable for a few reasons. Um, the the first is just the basic fundamental science that this has never been done before, but it's a it's a fundamental assumption that all volcanologists have to make in their models of how the magma comes out of the ground, and now we can start to answer that. Um, but the two spin-offs are that once we can start to answer those fundamental science questions, we can address hazards more readily and more effectively for people who live on or near volcanoes. And the other for NASA is that we can take that technology and apply it to volcanic fissures on Mars or uh, volcanic features on the moon that look similar to fissures, but we're not quite sure if they are or not. And eventually it could even go to Europa or Enceladus or something like that that has these cracks with geysers or or fissure-like geometries and see what those are like as well. And there's lots of applications for this across the board once we get it fully developed. Well, Carolyn, thanks very much. Uh, I thought this was a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it.